We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Just dribble this one out. This was a hard-fought game. Final score not indicative of how close it was. Uh, midway through the fourth quarter, Jason Tatum exploded. And the Celtics able to coast down in the final couple of minutes. A 35-point performance from Tatum. Knicks winning streak ends at three, and they're back to five and five on the season as they open up this five-game road trip. Our Audi electrifying play. All right. Well, Knicks lose a tough one to the Celtics, 114 to 98. I'm here tonight filling in for John. He always seems to give me the losses. So we'll make this into a nice little therapy session and we'll do it together. Ultimately, don't think there is a whole lot to be too dismayed about after this game. Um, There are no moral victories. Knicks are past that. You want to win the game. But there are enough extenuating circumstances here where you come out of this first 10 games, five and five. This is a back-to-back in Boston Garden against a team playing best in the league. Find out right before the game, you're missing perhaps your most consistent offensive player so far this season in R.J. Barrett. You only play eight guys on a back-to-back. They didn't even add a ninth to the rotation tonight, which was interesting. Usually Deuce gets that nod. And you could see, even though in spurts, Brunson carried the offense as the first quarter. He was phenomenal. Randall carried the offense at moments in the second quarter. But those guys were just asked to do so much without RJ's creation and with IQ having his worst game of the season to, br- to bring that tertiary creation. Those guys were asked to do so much. They just ran out of gas in the second half against a defense that's playing extremely well. So, disappointing I thought it was a really good effort they played their butts off Jason Tatum down the stretch was invincible the Celtics man they just stress you out on both ends offensively they're they're stretching you to the max where Mitchell Robinson Isaiah Hartenstein don't know what to do in in, in Porzingis pick and rolls and then on defense they are so long 
and so pesky. I mean, it shouldn't be legal to have Derek White and Drew Holiday in the same backcourt. Those guys are everywhere, swiping and holding and grabbing and just elite strength and defense on the ball. That makes it really tough, man. And then Porzingis on the back line. Like, what are you going to say? Julius is terrified of him. And he can just sit there, right? Because of our centers and what they can and cannot do. He's just waiting in the paint. There's a lot to talk about strategically. What could the Knicks do better in this matchup in the future? Obviously, they're struggling with with guarding the stretch five. Porzingis can get that pick and pop seemingly whenever he wants it. But like, end of the day, you look at this game, you look at the results, you look at the effort, you look at the big picture after 10 where we are. I don't think you can get too worked up um, with, I think, what was a good effort against a team that is flying high right now. They are. And they are going to be a force to contend with for any team for the rest of the season and beyond. Um, we can talk about some individual performances. I already spoke about you know Brunson and Randall, I think, a lot of stress on those guys, asking a lot of those guys. So to to come out with decently efficient nights against that defense and what they were asked to create, were there mistakes made? Yes. But like, and were there some brutally frustrating Randall sequences as always? Yes. But like, again, I thought they did a, a they, it was a valiant effort to kind of create offense for a team that didn't have anybody else creating. Quentin Grimes with a great stretch in the third, made some shots, got some touches. You know, I still wish he'd be a little bit more decisive on the catch, getting into the lane, making the next play. But did his job tonight. His job's to make shots. He did his job, defended hard. You know, it's really tough. This, you know, the Knicks are a are a small winged team. RJ's their biggest wing, and he was out. So you're asking. Josh Hart and DiVincenzo and Quickly and Brunson to guard some of the biggest wings in the league, the strongest wings in the league, in Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. And you saw that discrepancy at times. I mean, Josh Hart's doing his best on Tatum, but it's an easy mid-post jumper over him every single time. He's got four inches on him. The only guy I've seen have any success on Tatum one-on-one is RJ. He wasn't around. The centers, man, it, you know, they've been so good. They've been, they've been, they've been pretty flawless over the first ten games of the season. They've been, they've been the strongest element, forty-eight minutes wise, for the Knicks all season. Forty-eight minutes of elite center play from Mitch and Iheart all year long. This particular team exposes them in a way that makes it tough for the Knicks. They are going to have trouble guarding in that much space, extending out to KP. It's just going to be hard. Mitch had some sequences where he was able to recover to KP and make plays, but all in all, like KP just has his way and has whatever shot he wants. The Knicks tried to do some switching. I thought they had more success switching than they did trying to drop and recover to Porzingis. I wish they would just go to that and, and just say, we're not giving up pick and pop threes to Porzingis. I wish they would. They didn't. They started to incorporate it a bit. It made it a bit easier on those guys. But there is a limited impact there. And on the other end, this is one big takeaway I had. You have to be able to throw them the ball. 
How many times did Randall and Brunson have the rock and there was a switch? And now you have a Hartenstein or Mitch posting or sealing on Derek White or Peyton Pritchard. You have to be able to throw them the ball. If you can't, if you can't take advantage of a switching defense on that end and let those guys get some touches and hopefully some finishes, or you force a double and get a kick out. And you're asking them to do all that on the defensive end. Well, you're just losing that advantage. And now you really need to go small, but the Knicks won't go small. I'm not sure they can go small with Randall at the five. I know it's been a popular suggestion. I'm not sure that that's really a viable thing. I think this team needs those centers to be who they are. But you have to let them. You have to enable them a little bit on the offensive end. And I'll point out tomorrow some plays where I just thought you got to throw the ball to your center. They're waiting for it. It's asking too much of your ball handlers to break the switching defense on their own when you got a seven-footer posting up a six-footer, you got to throw them the ball. That was one frustrating thing. The Knicks have to figure out, what do they do with their centers against the Boston Celtics? Because right now, they're losing that battle. I mean, the Knicks did out-rebound the Celtics, at least on the offensive glass, but it wasn't enough to balance out the disadvantage they have on the defensive end trying to cover Porzingis. Like, theoretically, this team could go small, play Julius at the five, and just switch everything and make it a little more difficult. But they don't. Well, if you're not going to do that, then you have to take advantage of your size on the other end to some extent. And by the way, when it comes to Hardenstein, it's not just throwing in the ball on the block. Run some delay action. Give him the ball on top of the key. Let him make decisions for you. He had one beautiful backdoor pass to Randall when he finally got a touch at the elbow. The Knicks won't throw him the basketball. Against a switching defense, you throw the ball to a big who can pass and you start cutting around that and try to confuse the switches. That's how you break a switching defense. Not dribble, 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 dribble. That's really hard to do. You're asking guys to dribble, dribble, dribble on freaking Drew Holiday and Derek White. It's exhausting. And they're pressing up up the floor too because they know you're on a back-to-back and they know you're missing your third creator. And they know you're only playing eight guys and they know you're not going to throw the ball to your bigs. So. The, getting to a plan B and plan C against this defense, other than your just kind of classic standard pick and roll attack, is going to be important for this team to take the next step. I do believe that. That is a real takeaway. Again, I'm not, I'm not too perturbed about the loss itself, but there are some things that it teaches you. A game like this against an elite team teaches you about what you need to do to get to that level or what you need to do to compete in a playoff series against a team like that. Right now, the Knicks aren't there. Yes, there's a talent discrepancy, but more than that, there's some strategic things that the Knicks need to develop a plan B and C to deal with a defense that switches to that, with that ability, to that extent, with all the size and the length that they offer. You got to find other ways to beat it than just your standard pick and roll attack. That is a takeaway, I think, the Knicks need to learn quickly because... They want to get to that tier. That's where we want to get to. I think we're a tier below right now. That was pretty clear in this game. Even with RJ out. Even with RJ out. Quickly had a, had a terrible game. It happens. I, I, I do think, and look, Quick's had great games in Boston. So it's not necessarily, I don't want to come to any conclusions based on this one poor performance. He shot one for 10, I think. I will say like the one thing I worry about with Quick is when when teams do switch across five positions, can he break you down off the dribble consistently and, and, and with enough 
decisiveness. Like, can he just quickly beat, no pun intended, quickly beat you off the dribble and get into the paint and make a play? Sometimes it feels like it gets stagnant with him with the ball when teams are switching. You saw against Charlotte, when teams are trapping or teams are dropping, IQ's got the solutions. If they're trapping, he's jump passing you to death. If they're, if they're dropping, he can make shots off the, off the screen. When they're switching, I still think there's, there's ways to go there. For that's where quickly it takes the next step is can I always break that guy down? If I find the mismatch I want, if it's Peyton Pritchard, if it's Derek Hauser, can I, can I break you down right away? Not, not 10 seconds on the shot clock off, off because I was taking my time. No, no. Can I break you down? When Al Horford comes out on the switch, can I break you down right away? That's still the struggle. And again, he's excelled in Boston before against the same kind of defense. So I'm not saying I'm not. He's capable. I just still think it's the next step for him to consistently perform against that type of defense. And honestly, I think that's what you saw a little bit in the playoffs as well. With teams that were very switchable, that were throwing a lot of different bodies on him in length, and he just didn't have necessarily the counters to get to to break it down off the dribble when he needed to. And then you end up taking a lot of time off the shot clock. Randall's not making quick decisions always hurts against his defenses too. And I thought he made some great decisions in the second quarter. Again, I think he was out of gas a bit, but yeah, like sometimes Randall holds onto that ball too long. We all know it. it's just part of him and his package and they can overcome it. We've ever got other guys perform and he can do better, but it is just part of the deal with Julius Randall. And honestly, Jalen Brunson to a lesser extent, but sometimes the ball gets sticky and it definitely was sticky in the second half. Definitely was sticky in the second half, and the Celtics knew it. Being able to throw the ball to your center would help. They got to just throw it sometimes. Uh, anybody else? Let's think. Any other performances we want to talk about? I thought DiVincenzo was, was really rough defensively tonight. Um, couple of possessions where he fought, but like a lot of layups given up. He, he takes a lot of chances on the ball and just allows blowbys. Got posted up by Drew Holiday on an inbounds play for a layup. He's, it's been an interesting start for DiVincenzo. Like, there, he's had a couple of really nice games, but overall, I've been a little disappointed, if I'm being honest, in terms of his on-ball defense and what he offers there. And if he's not making a ton of shots, which he hasn't so far, um, he's not going to make a huge impact. And sometimes he's going to make a negative impact. So I'm still waiting for him to make more shots, and hopefully Tibbs is in his ear about being a bit more disciplined and scheme. I like that he generates some turnovers, but not at the expense of decent on-ball defense. Sometimes it, it, it's a trade-off that I'm not really willing to make. So that's Steven. And then Josh Hart, look. Josh Hart's always going to frustrate you because he doesn't shoot every time. Teams are willing to play off him. But like that's also like part of the package. It's not going to change. He's been in the league for a while already, and it is what it is. He's not that willing a shooter. It's a bit of a slow release. He does a lot of things to help you win. He gets exposed the more time that he gets. He's not finishing this game if RJ Barrett's here. He had a night. Nice, I thought Josh Hart had a nice game. I mean, Tatum cooked him. <laughs> Tatum cooked him. But like, I'm not blaming Josh Hart for that. Tatum's better. He's a little undersized at that position. Tatum was great tonight. On offense, though, it's like for Josh Hart, I thought he had a very nice game. He had a pretty efficient game. I think he had 16 on the night. Made the crazy playoff. Drew Holiday's back. <laughs> but like, that's who he is. And it's why you have other guys to hopefully close instead of him um, when you have your full roster. I'm sure there'll be some comments tonight about why he kind of 
that closing stretch was with Josh Hart instead of Grimes, who had made some shots in the third quarter. He was looking to insert Grimes as the game kind of got out of hand. I will say, like, you're already small without RJ. So I think Tibbs' thinking was, need a little bit of size on the floor. If I have Brunson quickly and Grimes out there, that's a really, really small lineup against a very big Celtics team, strong Celtics team. So I got it from that standpoint. I did kind of wish he inserted Grimes earlier to get some shooting in the game when you were already down 10-11. Like you're just trying to get back in the game at that point. Either go small or get Grimes in there and see if you can make some threes to, to make it up. But it is what it is. That's all I got in terms of an intro. Hope we can keep it somewhat positive tonight. It was a, a tough night, but but a lot of good to take away. And also, I think, a good learning experience for a team that's still in the early stages of the season. Um, and hopefully can build on a first 10 games that's been uneven, but I think salvaged with a five and five record. And now we move forward into a different part of the schedule. All right. Uh, with that, we got JP on the, uh, on the ones and twos, as Mac likes to say, we'll get up some super chats and, uh, let's get into it. Jesse M. What's going on, Jesse? Jesse asks, Celts decide to stop missing from three and that's game. Yeah, man. I mean, look, they they shoot a lot of them. Uh, they have a lot of good shooters on them. I think the Knicks did an okay job at times um, forcing the right guys to shoot above the break threes like Derek White, even Drew to some extent. They didn't do a good job on, uh, I think I said Derek Hauser earlier. His name is Sam Hauser. But I think they did a, they did a poor job on Hauser in the first half, kind of let him get off. I think he made four threes in the first half. You really got to run that guy off the line and make him do something else. Like Julius, I know, was short closing to him a couple times. They were just quick was an overhelp on one on the corner. Like that's a guy you just got to take off the three-point line. Can't let him beat you out there because he can't really do anything else. Tatum step backs, that's life. Jalen Brown made a couple contested. And then the KP thing, which we've discussed, is like they got to figure out a better strategy. I think they should switch it. I think they should just switch it and live with the result. Um because the KP catch and shoot and the Hauser catch and shoot threes, I think were the most frustrating because they were preventable and they're the best looks for the Celtics. Like those looks are great, great looks. The other stuff, I don't know if you could do a bunch about, but they're going to be a really good shooting team over the course of the year. They have a lot of talent, man, and they can create them because they stress you out on that end. So yeah, if they're making a lot of shots, it is, they're going to be tough to beat. No question about it, Jesse. Danny Gardner. Thank you for the contribution, Danny. Not the reason they lost, but really sick of Boston always getting the benefit of the calls versus us. Holiday and White are getting away with felonies. Yes. Um, the third quarter was not kind. Um, the whistle was not kind. I said it. Der Derek White was just smacking people's arms. Um, and not getting foul calls. And I think Julius took some hits. And he's almost got the Shaq thing where you got small guys, you know, in the league in general, this is a problem that if you guard bigs with smalls, they can get away with anything. Um, Julius is so strong that sometimes it doesn't look like he's getting beat up, but he is. And on the other end, you got some like kind of light little foul touch fouls against uh, some of Boston's guys who are flopping around. So definitely a frustrating part of the game. Third quarter, especially, I thought the whistle was not very kind. Um, but as you say, Danny, not the reason they lost. Uh, just an annoying, annoying third quarter in that sense, for sure. Thank you, Danny. 
Kevin Danishevsky the Great. What's up, Kevin? I know John will disagree, but please start IQ when RJ is out. Playing hard 40 minutes, even when he's off, is annoying. Happy to be 5-5 five and five after the hell stretch. Yeah, look, I addressed it a bit already. Tibbs felt he needed to have some size out there. I mean, that said, I hear you. Like, hard size wasn't doing a ton, although on the boards, I think it really is important. Um, look, because like, like Hart's going to play, especially if RJ's out, Hart's going to play all the minutes that Randall doesn't play because you need some quote-unquote power forward out there. I mean, you you can't play Brunson, IQ, Grimes, DiVincenzo in a center. And that's like no one's above 6'3". So like Hart at least gets you at a 6'5 with and just a great rebounder for his size. So I get why he played a ton. I agree that Grimes should have been in there early. I don't have an issue with him starting Josh Hart um, instead of IQ in this game. And I don't think that starting Hart was the issue. Like IQ didn't take didn't play well when he was in there. Hart had a decent game. He got out, they got out, Knicks got out to a pretty decent start. They were up after the first quarter. So like I don't. I I think if Grimes or Brunson were out of this game, quickly gets the start. I do. But because it was RJ and you lost the only size on the wing that you had against Tatum and Brown, I think Hart made a lot of sense. I do. I do. So I'm I'm not quite there. 40 minutes is a lot though. I probably would have gone to Grimes a bit earlier in the fourth. There I agree with you, Kevin. Thank you for the for the question. Josso Focus, what's up, Ja? We got some kind of riddle here. W-E-L-P. Welp. When everyone lacks poise. JK, I'm being cute. Seltzer are good at basketball. RJ should have popped an Advil and came to work. <laughs> All sides of Randall tonight. Um, you know, thinking about it now, the end of the first half was huge. And it's something I didn't discuss. Uh, the Knicks lost their cool. They lost their poise to Jaws point. Took a couple bad shots and had a zero floor balance. Celtics get four or five easy points down the other end. And then Jalen Brown makes a tough shot at the end. Um, to pull it within, what was it, one? And that was big because the Knicks had like an eight, 10 point lead at, at one point in the second and were looking really good. And I thought that was a massive sequence in the game. Chances were it was going to be, you know, the Celtics were going to have a stretch in that second half. And because it was a one point game instead of an eight point game or whatever, that Celtic stretch pushed their lead to 10. You know, maybe the Knicks can hang around a bit longer there if they don't have those mental errors. But I, I, and I said this earlier, I do think some of this was just a team, especially at the end of a half where Randall and Brunson played a lot of minutes and were doing so much to create any offense. I think they just ran out of gas and that, that, that manifests often in mental mistakes, not just physical ones. So I do, I do give them a bit of a pass there, but you're right. There was a lack of poise at the end of that half. Um, the Celts are good at basketball. They are really, really good. And it is going to be fascinating to see who solves them. Drew Holiday brings a lot to that team. I mean, you can play a great defensive possession. And then, obviously, Tatum can just break it all down. Then Drew Holiday gets these like post-up, post-ups on like DiVincenzo and makes lefty jump hooks. It's like, man... So even when you play it well, they have guys that can just break you down one-on-one. It's really tough. They're really tough, man. You can feel like the stress when you're guarding them. I can feel the Knicks stress. I can feel kind of like the buttons coming apart as, as they're trying to cover all five guys behind the arc. It is a lot of work, man. It is tough. 
And to the point made earlier, if they're making their shots, it's it's an uphill battle for anybody, for anybody. Um, and yes, all sides of Randall tonight, it was. And often, I think it's the fatigue, though. Like you get the bad Randall when he gets a little tired. He was frustrated with the refs too. He was banging with Porzingis. Porzingis is scaring him at the rim, man. He is intimidated, and that's interesting. It's a problem. And RJ, look, I don't know. I'm not going to tell him he should have gone to work. I don't know how much pain he was in. Obviously, I think RJ is a gamer. I'm sure if he could have gone, he would have gone. So uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not quite there with RJ, but yes on Rand. All right, thanks, Joe. Jaws back. That Kevin Janoszewski guy might be onto something. Kevin Janoszewski's always onto something. He might be on the wrong thing, but he's on something. <laughs> we love you, Kevin. We love you, Ja. Thanks, guys, for the contribution. Hamdi. What's up, Hamdi? Proud of the team. Boston is good, man. I noticed the shot clock with the Knicks. Boston puts so much pressure on the ball that teams don't get into the offense quickly. 100%. Uh, Boston is good. And yes, the... The full court pressure was strategic by Boston. And it's not just full court pressure. It's full court pressure with ball hawks that make it really tough to advance the ball up the floor. By the time you get into any set, there's 12 seconds left. And that's why you saw so many times Randall's dribbling around with three on the shot clock, grenades it out to somebody else who has to chuck a shot up with one on the clock. It's hard. Their defense is, is maybe even more impressive than their offense, Boston. And I think a solution to that is throwing the ball to Isaiah Hartenstein, who's waiting in the middle of the floor, both during the press and in the half court. Like during the press, they could have just hit ahead to Hartenstein and let him try to go make a play. And then in the half court, it's like, get in the ball and let him make a play for you. Get a couple easy cuts to the rim on slips. Like the Knicks didn't do that at all. There was nothing like that. There were no switch pockets created. Like there are ways to beat a switching defense. Cutting, fake handoffs, that kind of stuff. Play from the elbows. The Knicks did none of that tonight. It was all pick and roll offense. Man, that, that is making it really hard to, cre- to create anything good. Because the switching, like pick and roll, there's just a switch. So now you're breaking down a guy off the dribble and they're all good defenders. So again, I think the Knicks need to find that plan B. Delay action with Hartenstein. Elbow reps for Julius. Elbow reps for RJ when he's back. Love to see some of that. Um, Just some ways to loosen it up. Kay Thomas. Thank you for the contribution, Kurt Thomas. Wow. Honor to have you here, Kurt. Free Grimes, he says. Ah, yeah. What are we going to do with Quentin Grimes? Um, How many minutes did he end up playing tonight? Let's see. Quentin Grimes played 28 minutes. <laughs> Probably could have played 30. Eaten into Josh Hart's a bit. I, you know what? The thing with Grimes is he only gets to play with the starters. As I've said before, like his rotation is he's out early and he's back in late, which means he basically plays all of his minutes with both Brunson and Randall, which means he's just not going to get a lot of touches. And most of his minutes are with RJ Barrett as well. So he's just waiting there. It's a hard job. He's got a very hard job. It would be nice if he could play a bit with the second unit. And honestly, if DiVincenzo continues to kind of be this inconsistent and struggle a bit, maybe that starts to happen. Where like DiVincenzo, instead of being like a 20-minute-a-night guy, is more like a 16-minute-a-night guy, and Grimes gets the uptick. That interests me. I want to see more of DiVincenzo because I think there's a really good player in there that can help this team. Uh, but he's been uneven so far. 
And I know what I'm getting with Quentin Grimes. So I'd like to see him get a little more freedom. And that's to your point, Kay. It's free Grimes, some freedom at the second unit to play a little bit more up-tempo, a bit more ball movement. He probably gets a couple more touches, maybe gets to run a couple pick and rolls. That would be nice to see because with the starters, it's always just going to be wait in the corner and hope that they pass it to you and then make some shots, which he did tonight. That's why I said I think he did his job tonight. Thanks, Kay Thomas. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jasso Focus is back again. Always appreciate you, man. Hello, Benji. What are your thoughts on Randall's decision-making in the second half, particularly he's holding the ball at the worst possible times? Yeah, I mean, I've, I think I've talked about it a lot already. It's always going to be the bugaboo with Julius Randall. Comes with the package. It comes with the second quarter stretch where he was just throwing absolute lasers to people, breaking double teams, splitting them, and then throwing 100-mile-per-hour fastballs right in the shooting pocket. For hockey assists, for for straight assists, it comes with the offensive rebounding, the physicality. Um, he's a guy that does take some stuff off the table. End of the third quarter, I mean, what is he doing there? He's dribbling around. Hartenstein's calling for the ball with Peyton Pritchard on him, and he just dribbles into a turnover and then doesn't get back on defense for about 10 seconds and give up a three, which basically put the game into a whole different category of like, well, this is going to be a super uphill crime now. Can't make plays like that. He can't. But that said, I do believe he was extremely tired. Asked to do a lot tonight. Um, so that's it's Julius, man. It's, it's frustrating and it's just part of the deal. Uh, his decision making in the second half was not good, but it was very good in the first half. <laughs> that's, that's Julius Randall in a nutshell. Thanks, Ja. Ja's back. Excuse me, I meant Benji with a Y. I, you know what, Joe? I appreciate that. I appreciate that because that is how I spell my name. And it is the correct way to spell Benji. Because with an I is for a dog. And I am not a dog. Thank you, Joe. David Crockett. What's up, David? 
Not going to get worked up on this game. On to the next one. Agreed. My only disappointment is the Seas quietly killed us in the open court. We didn't finish well. Um, they killed us in the open court, especially at the end of the first half. They sure did. Um, and man, it's tough. Like again, even if there's a long rebound and or a turnover, and they're coming down, and they uh, they got five guys that can shoot, and Mitch is trying to get back and protect the rim, right? Because it's a fast break. But then some trailer is coming in, and he can, and, and anyone on the team can shoot a three. It makes it really hard. And like Mitch is just like always programmed to go protect the rim. So is Hartenstein at this point. Like Tibbs has programmed his centers to protect the rim at all costs. And now you're asking them to also stretch beyond the three-point line. And by the way, not just the three-point line. With Porzingis, it's the five feet beyond the three-point line. He's he's a really, he's a scheme changer, Porzingis. There aren't that many of them in the league. Tibbs in general is willing to live with a stretch five three-pointer. He doesn't care. Vucevic? Shoot away. Miles Turner, have at it. Wendell Carter Jr., be my guest. He doesn't care. He doesn't think that those guys are going to punish the Knicks enough to the point where he has to sacrifice his rim protection. Porzingis is a different animal. Porzingis is a different animal because he is that good a shooter. So what do you do? And the the Knicks haven't really figured that out. They haven't really figured that out yet in terms of how strategically to deal with it. I put a thread out right before the game on how I thought they might approach it. I thought they changed up their looks in the first game against the Celtics. Tonight, they did too. I just think they're too often in that straight drop, and it's just murder. It's automatic, like pick and pop three. I don't think you can concede that to Porzingis. Um, and then we didn't finish well. Well, I don't know if you mean we didn't finish the game well, which is definitely true, or you mean we didn't finish at the rim well, which is also true. Porzingis is a beast in there. Like, we don't think of him that way because he's skinny and we don't like him, but 7-3, great timing, super long, and against the Knicks, never has to move out of the paint. Just sits in there. And they can afford to drop deep because you have guys on the ball like Derek White and Drew Holiday and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who all and even Peyton Pritchard who fights. Like, those guys aren't going to give up clean drop looks. Like, they get through screens. They navigate them really well. They're really strong. They hold. They grab. So that even when you come off that screen and Porzingis is way back there, you don't have a clean look. And so now you're going to Porzingis, who's just waiting there for you with those eight-foot-long arms. It is hard. Julius is getting crushed by Porzingis at the rim. And I, I do think there are ways, again, to kind of try to draw him out with um, having your centers be a bit more of a hub. Hartenstein in particular. There are ways to kind of screen off the ball to distract Porzingis. The Knicks don't do a lot of that. Like it's basically sitting in the dunker spot for the fives if they're not screening. And that allows Porzingis to sit there. Very hard. What's the solution? There are ways to, again, draw him out and then set good screens to allow your guys to shoot off the dribble. The Knicks did that a bit. Brunson got a couple of good shots off, off of screens because Porzingis is sitting back and drop. No great solutions, though. It's a, it's a particularly tough matchup for the Knicks, the Celtics are, because of this center issue. Um, and we'll see if they can solve it. They've been competitive with the Celtics for most of these two years. Beat them a couple times, or a couple times, right? The RJ shot and the quickly game, they beat them. 
So it's not not doable. I do think they're better now. And Porzingis just puts a a whole different set of issues in front of this Knicks team. Thanks, David. Fred Katz. Wow. Fred, an honor to have you. Thanks for the chat, sir. And the $5.32. How long do we wait until we start to talk about the on-offs RJ flipping in the most drastic way anyone could ever imagine? We can talk about it now, Fred. We can talk about it now. It's interesting because this is the most RJ's going to and ever has played with the bench. Right. So those bench units are now inclusive of RJ all the time. Now it's funny this season, the starting lineup has been better than the bench. Now that is a first in the Tibbs era. I don't think that's going to last. If I had a prediction, it would be that eventually the bench is net rating that that bench plus RJ lineup exceeds the starting lineup in, in net rating. That's just a prediction. But RJ has been really good. He's been better than he's been in the past. So that's like the first reason is flipping is because he's been really good and he's been good in decision making. He's been good on defense and he's made a ton of shots. <laughs> so like uh, that it's been a massive change for this team. And then because he gets to play with the bench, I think he's going to benefit from the the bench for under Tibbs has been just an impact to the net rating gold mine. Those guys just always perform. So RJ being able to be part of that group will, I think, help this ultimately stay this way. Like, I think it's sustainable. I think it's going to be a team that will play better with RJ Barrett on the floor than without him. And that's great. Um, but, you know, RJ's got to keep it going. Stay with the stuff that's working and stay healthy. That's for sure. Thanks, Fred. Here's Dom Cappuccini. Well, thank you for the contribution, Dom. I appreciate the fight so big. No art. I appreciate the fight so big. I don't know how to read that sentence, Dom. No RJ became just as overwhelming as Tatum daggers. The zero won't be as restricted on Wednesday. Bounce. Oh, the O. The O. That's my bad. The O won't be as restricted on Wednesday. Bounce back in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, different challenge. Atlanta and a challenge. They have a lot of talent. The Knicks kind of. I really feel like the Knicks are so much better suited to play teams that have a kind of a standard pick and roll attack. Right. So the Hawks, it's going to be Trey, largely Trey pick and rolls, Deontay Murray pick and rolls with Capella or Nkongu rolling to the rim. Man, the Knicks in a standard pick-and-roll defense, they have it down, man. Tibbs has drilled that into them. They understand their rotations. Mitch has been great in pick-and-roll this season. They have good pick uh, point-of-attack defenders between Grimes and Hart and even Chenzo at foot sometimes, and quickly, for sure. RJ's been better in that way. There are guys you can help off in Atlanta, like you're not that worried about the Andre Hunter shooting threes necessarily. Sadiq Bey... Like when they can help off the guys and play their standard pick and roll coverage, it's a different team. And again, the Celtics are uniquely positioned to challenge the Knicks in very specific ways where the Knicks struggle. Um, so yeah, they'll feel they'll feel more at home against Atlanta for sure, but they're gonna have to play well to beat that team. Um, so it should be interesting. But yeah, nice to get away from this Boston team. That's for sure. Thanks, Dom. Fred's back. Isn't 
Peebo Bryson's version of A Whole New World. Better than Disney's original one from Aladdin. <laughs> no. No, Fred. No, it's not. Because the original one from Aladdin is the one that we fell in love with as kids, just imagining what could be in the world. A whole new world. What's beyond our immediate vision? What's in the stars? What's, in, what's beyond our own world? It allowed us to imagine. It allowed us to dream. So nothing that Peebo Bryson could do could replace that original experience of hearing a whole new world on the magic carpet, Fred. Nothing. Thank you for the contribution. Jessica Eisner. Thank you, Jessica, as always, for the contribution. There are musical notes here, but I will not sing. Going down the road, feeling bad. Going down the road, feeling bad. Going down the road, feeling bad, bad, bad. Don't want to be treated this away. Getting some weird chats. This is what happens after a loss. Um, I feel like I'm supposed to know this reference. Uh, I, I don't. Maybe JP can get up here and help me out. <laughs> Maybe not. Andrew's nowhere to be found. John's nowhere to be found. Jessica. I just wish you well and hope that uh, your family is doing great. And I don't know what to say about this. Thank you for the contribution, though, as always. Danny Gardner's back. What's up, Danny? When the C's press, they should get it to IR. Damn right, Danny. Yes. Throw the ball to the seven-footer who's got his arms in the air. And he just wants to make a play for you. He wants to make it easy for you. Let him. Let him help you. Like, throw him the basketball. He's got good hands. He'll catch it. He'll make a play. Maybe he'll be back door. Maybe he'll do a fake handoff and get to the rim. You got to be able to exploit switching defenses. It can't be that easy. Can't be your standard pick and roll attack. I heart is a weapon. Use them. Very frustrating. Uh, I agree with you, Danny. It's a good point. Thank you. Fred's back. <laughs> You have to read this because I paid for it. Morally, you cannot skip it. Please read the following. I, Benji, am better than Macri. <laughs> he is no one's boy. This is my podcast now. A whole new world, Fred. A whole new world. Next. Zach Halilovich. What's up, Zach? Thanks for the contribution. I really felt bad for Hart out on an island with Tatum there. Can Tibbs try anything else or is it the only option? Well, <laughs> look, you can try to double, but the double against the team that is five out and has shooters everywhere, you're going to end up conceding a three that you don't want to concede. Almost inevitably. Um, I'd rather live with a contested mid-range jumper over Josh Hart also. He made a lot of them tonight, you know? I wish RJ was in there to guard a couple of them. Maybe the result's a little bit different, but, like, I don't think that... I don't think that Tatum's mid-range ISOs against Josh Hart is what won their game for them. I thought it was the easy stuff that you gave the Celtics. That's the stuff you got to cut out, right? Because a great player scoring one-on-one -on -one against one of your better defenders is, is part of life in the NBA. You can concede that. You can deal with it. 
but you can't then also allow Sam Hauser for five catch and shoot threes. And if you double Tatum, you're going to end up giving seven of those to Sam Hauser. Right? So, like, there's a trade-off. Um, I didn't personally mind so much how they guarded Tatum, um, even though he had a great game, because he's great. He's been great against everybody. There's no great coverage. He's been, he's been dying. Teams throw different looks at him all the time, and he's solving them because he's an MVP candidate. Like, that's, that's part of life against one of the best players in the league. Thanks, Zach. Soul Squad. What's up, Soul Squad? Knicks need Jonathan Isaac. Ooh. Big wing, small ball five. Listen, I like what I've seen from Jonathan Isaac this season. He can't really score much, but he is a hell of a defensive player. Um, I don't know if that's who they need, but they do. They Look, they... The roster is screaming for a big wing. That's why the OG Ananobi rumors are always so strong and the interest there is so strong, at least reportedly. Um, Because he gives you that elite wing defender who you can throw on Jason Tatum and feel better about the one-on-one matchup. And feel like you actually have a shot and also can shoot the ball and uh, is a really good player. The Knicks are small on the wing. They're small at guard. They can make up with it. They can make up for it in certain ways, and they do for the most part. Like the fact that Quickly and Hart and DiVincenzo are all very good rebounders, and, and Brunson's will fight you and take charges, and RJ's been better in terms of physicality and rebounding and all that. It's all part of the plan. And then Julius can, can take up so much space, and then your, your fives are so big that makes up for some of it. Like they're, the team's figured out, a, or start, in the process here, figuring out a formula that works despite the lack of size. But yeah, a big wing. Some option to play a bit small with, where you don't lose all the rim protection and defense. Jonathan Isaac's not a crazy name. Might make sense. Like, can we see him play 20 games without getting hurt first? Because he hasn't done that yet in his career. Um, but, but not a look, that's the kind of guy I think the Knicks are looking for. I, I do agree with you there, Soul Squad. So thanks for the, for the thought. Dylan Courier. What's up, Dylan? Really appreciate your analysis, man. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. Um, thank you. Uh, we're doing we're doing our best over here at Knicks Film School. We're we're putting out a lot of content for you guys to try to try to bring some real deep analysis to the game and teach the game where we can and enjoy the game with you guys and prep you guys for each game and give you things to look out for that I think enhances a viewing experience and, and even the fandom. Like I think it's really cool when you learn things about the game and about the team. So I'm glad you're enjoying it, Dylan. Thank you so much. Lunas Samarat. What's up, Lunas? Thank you for the contribution. Team just seems a team lower with a, t- a tier lower without RJ. The offensive creation is so needed to take pressure off JBJR, especially when quick is cold. Damn right. Yes. Bingo. Dart. You got it. They need RJ. They need RJ. And you felt it tonight, too. You felt you felt you felt it each time he's been out this year to a like in a big way, where like you just feel like they're asking so much of Julius and, and Brunson every possession to to create an advantage and then make the right play. And by the way, like RJ doesn't, (laughs) 
RJ's passing is funny. I think it's gotten better, but like RJ sees things quicker than I think both Randall and Brunson. I think Brunson, because he's small and the windows aren't always easy to find Randall because he's a bit slow to process like RJ, especially this season will hit the cross court pass early and, and, and shift the defense. He's become a pretty good cutter, which would have helped a lot tonight in terms of like trying to create some space against that switching D. You just feel it. And you feel his size now, too, because the Knicks, again, are small. So, like, RJ, to Fred's point, he's been a net rating beast this year. And I think it all makes sense when you've watched him play and you've seen what the team is without him. Like, they just need his creation. They need his pistol actions. They need his paint touches. They need his passing. They need his rim pressure. They need his size and his defense. All of it. Uh, it all it, it all has come together so far this season for RJ. And because of that, the Knicks are really reliant on him. And uh, hopefully he gets well and he's back back to ready to go on Wednesday. Thanks, Lunas. Kevin Danishevsky's back. Humbled to be called great by Rit, who projecting. Who is projecting? It's a tough typo, Kevin. It's a tough typo. It's a short, it's a short message. It's only eight words. And I don't know how to read it. <laughs> I don't know how to read it. But thank you, I guess. And you are great, Kevin. You are great. And don't let anyone tell you differently. You're a great man. Danny's back. What's up, Danny? In the ideal version of this team, RJ should be the second option with Julius Randle post-ups mixed in. His slashing creates a much more versatile and devastating offense. Yeah, I mean, I think you could argue he has been the second option this year. I think you need both of them. I think you need all three of them. Like, I I don't think between Brunson, Randall, RJ, I don't think any of them are at the level yet to soak up more usage than they're already using and create good offense. Maybe RJ has the potential to get there. Um, whereas the other two are probably like as good as they'll Speed for the most part. Um, but like you need all three guys to have their possessions where they're the ones creating the advantages and making the plays because they're all limited to certain degrees. It's not like a Luca where you can just like let him if he, if Luca ran 70 pick and rolls in a, in a game, he create good offense on the vast majority of them. He's that good. Tatum's close to that. Not quite the passer that Luca is, but like, man, you throw him the ball, something's good's going to happen basically every time down. And he can make the passes when he needs to. Like, that's not these three guys. We're not blessed with, with that kind of player. And it needs to be a group effort. And I think they all need each other to take the load off a bit here and there. IQ can pitch in, obviously, as well. It hurts that he was bad tonight. Like they need, they need IQ can't, you know, they need IQ to be good night after night. And he has been until tonight. So you can give him a little bit of a pass. Um, I don't know if it matters who the second option is, who the third option is like the offense has generally worked. Uh, you know, I, I, I agree. I think Randall because of his processing issues is the biggest liability, but the more usage you give him, sometimes there's diminishing returns. Um, 
but how valuable is he off the ball? Like not particularly. So that also makes it tough. Like when he's in there, he's got to have the ball to be valuable. The way RJ is shooting this year, he can play off the ball and be valuable. We'll see if that holds up. Brunson too, obviously is a really good shooter. So it's, it's not a perfect, uh, <laughs> it's not a perfect match. You know, they're the, the tall grande and venti lefty versions of the same player who try to get to their left side and get to the rim. They're past second guys. It's not a perfect mesh, but the Knicks have made it work to a lot of success. And they do need all three that you're seeing. They do need all three to make it work. I, I, I think ideally you're probably right, Danny, that if RJ can stay where he is right now and the way he's played this season, it becomes a true second option to Brunson and maybe just takes a little bit off of Julius's plate. That, that probably is a better place for this offense to be, especially come playoff time when you need to make those quicker decisions. And Julius has proven to be unable to make them in that sense. Um, I think you're probably right, but they're, they're all needed. They're all going to need to take soak up a lot of usage on this team to make it all work. That's for sure. Thank you, Danny. All right. I think that's it. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in for hanging out a bit shorter than usual, maybe because it was a loss and you're all depressed, but listen, Hope we had a good time. It was good therapy. What to learn, what to gain from a game like this. The team's got a lot to look forward to. Big game on Wednesday night, and uh, KFS will have it all ready to go for you. Analysis and podcast, pregame, postgame, during game, like everything. We're a one-stop shop. We do it all. So tune in. Follow us on the socials. Like this video. Subscribe to our channel. Leave a five-star rating and review if you get the chance. We appreciate that. It means a lot to us if you can do it. It, it. it really is impactful in terms of what we're trying to do and create here. So help us out if you can. And if you enjoyed the show, uh, John will be back with you Wednesday night, of course, on the post game. Thanks to Justin Palmer for the great work behind the scenes. Thanks to Andrew Claudio for all he does behind the scenes. Thanks for John to John Macri for giving me a chance to jump on the post game. We have a Robert Cross last second. What does he say? Oh, he says, God, man. What a great way to end. God, man, indeed. Here's to Mitchell Robinson. May he continue to have his best year as a pro. He's been great. Tonight was a bit of a challenge, but we trust you. We trust in you, Mitchell Robinson, a.k.a. God, man. Thank you, Robert. I think that's it. All right, people. Have a great night. Speak to you all soon.